I, by the way, I'm uh, I'm very grateful to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Um, I'm, I'm excited for this. I've been wanting to chat with you for for a hot minute, especially uh, since I got my mental back together. It's been it's been nice. But um, for any podcast episode where this stuff comes out that we can't record, we'll go ahead and just begin uh, if you're ready. Let's do it. Awesome. All right. Well, <clears throat> beginning in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I am very excited because joining me today is Lucas Spoil. Lucas, how you doing, man? Hey, Steve. I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. Yep. And I don't know if you heard me kind of hesitate on your your name pronunciation again, like I always do, but it's it's Lucas, right? <laughs> you nailed it, Lucas. Yeah, yes. it's like a Spanish pronunciation. And I remember that too. And I remember you like, um, you know, not you correcting me sounds more I don't know, aggressive than it is, but I was actually asking you about the name and, and how to pronounce it. Cause that space always got to me, but, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. I used to have, yeah. On Facebook, I used to have like, my first name was Lou and then my last name was Cas at least C A S and yeah, it was, it was fun, but it, it definitely led to a lot of confusion, but I, yeah, my, just to, just for anybody who doesn't know, my mom grew up in Panama and so my siblings and I all have Spanish names. So my brother's name is Miguel and my sister's name is Gabriela and my name is Lucas. Nice. And so I like to, I like to uh, you know, sh- show a little pride to my roots. Yeah. And it sounds like you got the, uh, the pronunciation, like, correct. Um, are you like that with all Spanish words or just like the names or i mean i'll be honest like i i suck at spanish now but growing up at home my mom spoke to us in spanish my sister is fluent um i have lost a lot my brother's pretty good um and my dad didn't know anything so we would like you know speak spanish around him and he wouldn't know anything also whenever we got in trouble at home my mom would start speaking in very fast spanish and then our friends wouldn't know what she was saying so it was like you know, Spanish was like synonymous with like, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> I bet that was scary. Um, probably up there with using your full name, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Middle name. When the middle name came out, you're in trouble. Yep. You just freeze. Um, well, I appreciate you explaining it because I was actually going to ask, um, you know, in case people weren't tracking um, where that came from and what that was about. So that's, uh, that's, I'm glad you, you took that one. Um, so, Let's just continue with that. So on the off chance, people don't know who you are. Um, what team are you on? Where are you from? Where you are currently? We'll just kind of go to that real quick. Yeah. Rapid fire. Um, I, I, I play on Fortune, and uh, we, we are based in Seattle, Washington. And I, I grew up and was born and raised in Seattle. So I'm very proud to be on a Seattle team. Nice. And let's see. I'm just gonna breeze right through these. So, um, one thing I, I kind of mentioned offline, and I, I posted it in the in the thread, was that um, you know uh, David Tates he had the book of dodgeball going for for a hot minute, and he he did a really good interview with you. So I think um, for anybody that's that's interested in anything that we may not have covered, because there's there's gonna be a lot to definitely check that episode out. But um, we'll kind of just keep going through the preliminaries. Uh, and my next question generally is, you know, what is, what is your number and does it have any significance to it? Yeah. Um, 
My number is 19. And um, I kind of, I was given 19 when I joined a soccer team, like in middle school. And it stuck with me because growing up, I played like club soccer with some of my classmates. And one of my classmates, dad was my coach. And like, I don't know, I, at the time I thought he was like a real hard and, um, but I, you know, like we, we trained really hard. We played really hard. Uh, I don't actually remember what my number was on that team, but long story short, I didn't get to play very much. And I remember like this new guy came to our team and he had like, and this was like in seventh grade and he had never played soccer before and he was like playing more than me and i was like what the heck like i'm not that bad and in fact i was like i think i'm one of the better players like this is this is crazy and so ultimately i ended up leaving that team and i joined like you know a, a different team across town it was like more of a rec team but they gave me number 19 and my first game, I scored a hat trick. So like I scored three goals and nice. And I never looked back. I, I played like almost all game, every game for the next like three years. And I had like the ultimate like payback moment in high school when like that original team came back to me and they were like, like, man, you need to rejoin us. We need you. And like, I was like, sorry, guys, like I found a team that really cares for me and really appreciates me and I'm sticking with them. Nice. I put that, has that echoed at all in, in dodgeball with uh, some of the teams you've been on? Ooh, uh, no, but you know what? I, I do think of it as like one of the first times that I like advocated for myself, right? Like I didn't, I didn't just accept the situation um, and, you know, like I grew up like a very quiet, shy, like Catholic boy and like, you know, acceptance and obedience is like a big part of like Catholic schools. And so like for me to kind of say like, you know what, I quit, like I I'm done with this. I'm going to go find something better. Like I I'm proud of myself, like looking back. Nice. So man, um, did, did you grow up in like a Catholic school or was is just the, the, the Panama religion, I guess, or where, where'd that come from? Yeah. Um, yeah. So my, my mother was Catholic, I think raised Catholic as well. My dad is Irish. He was born in Ireland. So like they definitely had that Catholic. Double the Catholic. Common. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice like Venn diagram of like Latin America and, you know, Ireland <laughs> is like Catholic church. Uh, so yeah, we went to like church a lot growing up, but like, I think as we got older, um, you know, the teen, you know, teenage siblings and my parents, we all kind of like lost the, the passion. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we, you know, no one goes to church anymore. And in, in fact, I'm a very, I'm very critical of, of organized religion now. I feel like, I mean, I was the Catholic myself. And the second I got a chance to bail, uh, I could not bail fast enough. <laughs> and I'm not like, I'm less outspoken about it than I used to be just because I, I took things very personally and I'm more of a, you know, to each their own kind of thing, but I definitely have my criticisms of the Catholic religion, um, which we don't have to go into, but I, I think I kind of feel you on that one a little bit. Just, uh, 
I mean, real quick, it just, everything you do is wrong. And that, I feel like that's a terrible way to, to raise somebody. Yeah. A lot of shame, a lot of guilt. <clears throat> right. And like, just kind of a lot of absolutes, right? Like just, you know, abstinence and sin and all this bullshit. And like, you know, we, we live, everyone lives very full lives and, you know, we're, you can't dismiss people so easily. Right. So yeah. anyways, um, I, yeah, yeah. But ironically, all that being said, like I ended up going to Seattle university, which is like a Jesuit Catholic college um they're pretty like very like liberal progressive but um uh and very like social justice and like activism focused um but still part of, uh, underneath that umbrella of like the catholic church so um you know it it is definitely one of those things that is like uh at odds with itself yeah um I feel like this could be an episode of, of itself. Um, let's put a pause on that one. See if it comes up again. That's <laughs> not. Yeah, <laughs> I, I won't be able to help myself. And uh, we'll, oh, yeah. this will be like eighty percent life, twenty percent dodgeball um, on the dodgeball podcast. But yeah, um, we might have lost everyone already. Yeah, there's like, oh god, time time to go. But um, <clears throat> all right, we'll come back to dodgeball. Um, and I just. For everyone that's listening, I'm I'm trying really hard to control myself. Just I hope that's worth <laughs> what it is. Um, what what got you into dodgeball? Because I definitely cover like the sports you played, but uh, why dodgeball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I I guess just to touch up on like the sports component, um, I mentioned this in the Ted's podcast, but like growing up, I was really shy, um, but I loved sports, like. I just loved playing games. I was playing sports all year round. You know, it was it was soccer season, then it was basketball season, then it was baseball season, and then it started the cycle started over again. And and after school, I was always in the backyard like playing games with my younger brother and neighbors and I just loved games. So games kind of gave me an opportunity to like connect and socialize. Um so fast forward to my sophomore year in college, I was actually walking by uh, a tennis court in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle. And there were people in the tennis court like throwing rubber balls at each other. And I remember like just kind of like sitting and watching and I was like too shy to go in, but I told myself, hey, if, if you walk by this game again, you're gonna jump in. Hmm. And so sure enough, I, uh, I walked by it, you know, a few weeks later and I jumped in and I think that night people were wearing costumes. It was like around Halloween. There was a lot of like drinking and smoking and just people being hellions and rebels and, you know, silly. And I just loved it. I loved everything about it. It was just like really genuine, very welcoming, very accepting. And I felt right at home. So I think like the community component really spoke to me. Um, I played for like six months without talking to anyone. <laughs> I was super shy, as I as I mentioned. So I would just come, I would play dodgeball, and then I would like quietly disappear into the night. And um, back then, like everybody had pseudonyms. Like there was 
there was all these guys named Mark. So there's all these like pseudonyms. There's a dark Mark, an eyeball Mark, a dirty Mark, a black Mark, a mocha Mark. There was like so many people named Mark. There was a guy named Chops, a guy named Trophy, Meeples, Jaza. Like there's all these pseudonyms. And I remember one night that uh, nobody knew who I was, but I was like pretty good. And like um, people started like, calling me out on the court and I was one night I was wearing this yellow hoodie and someone was like watch out for yellow hoodie and I was like oh no this is going to become my pseudonym it's going to stick so like I put the yellow hoodie away immediately and the next game I jumped in they're like hey watch out it's yellow hoodie he's wearing a white shirt now <laughs> so I still didn't fool you <laughs> I was like no so I never wore the yellow hoodie again but um, my pseudonym and name was always Lucas. So I slowly got to know the community. I was like 20 years old. I remember, I remember like crossing my, or just like holding my breath till I turned 21. So I could go to the bars with the dodgeballers. I was just like, yeah, man, I can't wait to go hang out with the dodgeballers at the bar after this. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's, that was kind of my dodgeball origin story. So 8.5 rubber, tennis courts outdoors seattle on friday nights nice i'm thinking to change this question to what is your dodgeball origin story mm -hmm. thank you for that sure. um I, I really hope somebody calls you yellow hoodie now <laughs> <clears throat> and i love the idea of um i mean I, you, you strike me as something that's very outgoing and social, uh, could be wrong. Um, but I just love the idea that you were once very shy and would just disappear like Homer Simpson in the bushes, like that gif after playing for a while. <laughs> that's yes. Awesome. Yes. I mean, like, I, I feel like I've been a huge beneficiary of the dodgeball community in so many ways, but like one of them is just kind of like finding myself, like becoming comfortable with who I am. And, and, and I try to remember you know, that person who showed up to the tennis court all those years ago. And I try to be the person that would have welcomed like that really shy guy, you know? Um, so yeah, that, that kind of that story and that, like that experience kind of drives some of the organizing work that I still do. Nice. If you one V one your previous self, how fast until you've just mopped the floor of that guy would even have a chance <laughs> against you now? oh man yeah i would have would have crushed them um but you know what like that guy was a lot better at 8.5 rubber i'll say that it's been a while since i've played so yeah if we played 8.5 they might they might take me r.i.p 8.5 um that's, that's something i've always wished i could do is just play against myself now and play against like team evil Damon, where I was a lot more cocky and younger and just felt more invincible just to see like, am I better than I used to be? Cause that, that's how I measure, um, success on the court. And lately it's just, can I even play and not get injured or tear something? So it's enough to just be able to walk off the court. But I think that's something I start asking people too, is like, what version of themselves do they wish they could play against? And I don't mean that in like an egotistical sense. I just really, I've always loved the like, in, I don't know if it's like a hero's journey thing, but like the archetype of you have to defeat your shadow self, like that, that concept yeah. has been really cool. So yeah, you know, I think what you could do as well is like, ask like how the game would go. 
right? Like I, here's what I think would happen. Like my, my old self was, you know, pretty talented, had good hands, good throw, but like, I feel like my current self, I wouldn't give that old player anything to catch, right? I would just like paint the corners. I would just nibble. I would just take my sweet time. And I would, I would like, if, if, if at all possible, I would always keep a blocking ball, right? I just wait yeah. till my old naive self, like made a mistake and exposed themselves. I, I really, I, I do feel like dodgeball really lends itself to experience, right? There, there is something to be said about talent for sure, but you, there are so many tricks of the trade that um, older experienced players are always going to have on kind of like new players especially in like the older ball types like 8.5 rubber and uh, maybe even no sting yeah i mean that's that's generally the first leg up you get you know when you you're playing in a bunch of you know frat bros that played football or or baseball come in thinking they're gonna you know destroy everybody with their 80 mile power arm and they're so easy to beat because they don't have that court awareness or that experience that you know any any rec league player could have um to begin with so it definitely definitely is an experience thing um but uh i guess i mean something i wanted to like throw onto that i i'm gonna i feel like i'm gonna interject a lot because i just you know obviously i've spent a lot of my life thinking about dodgeball yeah please do i remember i remember like the archetype of like the frat bro right and it was so interesting because like that player would fizzle out so fast, like in our pickup games, right? Like they would come and they would, I think like a couple different things might happen. One, they might be like good enough to catch the attention of all the regulars. And then the regulars would just like feast on them, right? They would just really focus their energies and just like destroy this player who had talent, right? Or the other thing that happened is this player would come and they'd be disappointed by like their lack of success, right? They, they're maybe very good at something, some other sport and they come and play dodgeball and they are having a hard time with the, uh, you know, the middle-aged player with a uh, hard shell knee pads who keeps catching them out. <laughs> um, and so like, I noticed that like, pe- like that archetype of player, like would drop out so fast. Whereas like in, in our community anyways, like the, like a, oftentimes like the people who would stick around are like the folks who are looking to like find community and make friends. And, and a lot of those folks had like zero athletic background, but they, they would start like at the bottom, right? Like they, they wouldn't have success, but they like didn't come in expecting to have success and they would slowly like hone their craft and like learn the skills and, and, and would find more joy and satisfaction like in that learning curve. And so I always, I always found that really fascinating. Yeah. It's, I've always wondered that too. Cause you know, most like we always use the archetype of frat bro, but you know, these people are athletic in their own right. They play baseball, football, so they should understand hard work, practice, whatever. Maybe they just dismiss dodgeball as having those elements and they think they just go in there and whoop on people. And when it doesn't happen, their egos probably bruise a little bit. So they just take off versus like you said, the players that show up um, and just know they're, they're willing to put the work in and they can get better. But that's, uh, you know, that's, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Um, 
I think it's a good segue to look into your experience because I'm looking at uh, this Figma thing that you showed me. And uh, I mean, it's a lot. And it's actually really cool because I'm looking at a table. Actually, you, you kind of want to describe this, Lucas, since it's a... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, kind of like as I was thinking about our, our chat today, I was just like, what are the things I want to talk about? And, and um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of pods are spent kind of like, um doing a lot of history of of a player and and i feel like i have a lot of history and you and i have a lot of shared history too like we have a lot of like places where we've um crossed paths over the years and like people in common from like the old days um so i wanted to like put together kind of a timeline that kind of showed like where I played over the years, like what were the pickup games, what were the leagues, what were the tournaments that I went to, like what what ball types were those events? Um, and then I wanted to also kind of like track um, my history as an event organizer. So there's like another section dedicated to like leagues that I started, tournaments that I've hosted. That one, I, I still haven't finished it. So I might I might finish this after we pod or even before our next half and then we can share it when we release this. But um, I've, you know, I've, I've hosted so many events over the years and I just love it. And um, yeah, so I wanted to kind of chronicle that. And then the final section, I just have some like notes and milestones. So like things that I just really look back on really fondly and are kind of the highlights of my, Oh God what what year is it now 2023 16 years of playing so yeah nice yeah this is this is really cool so you've got like um kind of looks like a spreadsheet a little bit just color-coded with um you know a timeline from 2007 to 2023 and it just kind of sh like blocks off like for example um one of the blocks is seattle street dodgeball pickup and it shows from 2007 the 2015 looks like it's kind of tapering off and it's color-coded magenta for 8.5 so i mean obviously this will be posted on the on the threads or the comments when this episode's released but this is really cool man like i'm i think i told you like offline i'm definitely going to do something like this for myself <clears throat> just just to see um how much i've i've been a part of and i do like some of the overlapping things like even right now um you noted a milestone. I wanted to play. I wanted to move to Phoenix to dodgeball after seeing Rampage at NDL, and it's it's funny. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned because I was thinking about that today. Um, I passed by the new station um, where we filmed our lead up to the national championships and back from, and how much like media attention we got. And it's just weird to to see somebody from Seattle was was watching that just based on your your timeline here. So you want to comment on that a little bit? You know, I was I was listening to your pod, your your last couple pods. I think it was the pod with Casey, and I was just thinking, like, what's the story I could share with Steve? And like, I don't think I really talked about that with anyone, but it was a thought that I had. I remember coming back from the NDL in 2010 in Vegas, and like having my eyes open to this competitive dodgeball world that's outside, you know, my my own and. I remember at the time I, I had just graduated from college. I was living, I was actually like living in a church. I was, <laughs> I was like the property manager 
And I was like, you know, working from home as a graphic designer, going to the park with a bag of balls at night, like dodgeball was my only social life. And like, I was just like, maybe I should move to Phoenix. Like if I'm really serious about dodgeball, like I should move there because that's where that's where all the serious players are. Because I think uh, Rampage had won, I think the national championship that year. Yep. Um, and I, I don't think I'd ever told you that. So I wanted to, I wanted to let you know. That's awesome. Yeah. I, man, those two years of Rampage were awesome. And kudos to Bill Fair, who got, you know, myself, Mason, and eventually Chris Bell and some of the Phoenix players and merged Tucson and Phoenix with a bunch of, I don't think I had an ego, but like I kept mine in, inward, but he basically meshed together a bunch of egos and play styles and types and got us all focused on one mission. And that was, the result was success. So that was such a cool run. And uh, to be able to talk about it 14 years later or 13 years later, um, and know that it had an impact on on you, which is kind of crazy. Cause like I'm looking at these uh, other events that we've had, and, and you're right, we've definitely crossed paths many times. But that's so cool, man. I appreciate you sharing that with me. That just, uh, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm gonna say, like I <clears throat> sometimes cheapen the not my accomplishments, but my experiences. They they definitely fall to the background a lot. But it's good to know that they still have a like a reverberating effect on people. So I I think sharing this and giving people an opportunity to look at their playing experience, their, their organizer experience or however they want to paint this is a, is a really good way to kind of just pay homage to the player and the history. Um, this kind of reminds me of the, of the timeline I put together or started um, a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember that where I kind of created like this really crappy looking Google sheet and just started tracking like when I first knew dodgeball came on and people just started contributing to it. Especially wanted to bring it back so bad now because there's so much more that's happened since then. But um Yeah, I do I remember that project and I would love to see it again now. And you know, it's it's cool because Dodgeball is has been such like a passion project for all these like local communities and no one has really chronicled the history. And uh that like a document like that is really special and like does a lot to like preserve the history of our, our game and sport. Yeah. And I would imagine people know that's my biggest motivation for this whole thing is just trying to preserve as much as I can while I can. Um, and, and kudos to Sergio for, for doing that. And, and, you know, Kim now for stepping up and, and just contributing to this, this, uh, the sport that we all reap so many benefits from, but, um, Man, I, I don't know if you, well, you can't see me because I don't have my video turned on, but my eyes just keep zipping around through all these events. And, uh, good, good. I remember Seattle Rain. I remember seeing a picture of you. I had a double take because, um, it had come up in a Facebook flashback a couple years ago, I think, man, even before I deployed. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait a minute. Lucas is in there. <laughs> Holy crap, look at that. And then I, started noticing all these people I hadn't seen in a long time that looked so much younger. But I remember, I remember hating you guys because if I recall, um, I think you guys took out the Wallbusters, which was my girlfriend, Jackie mm. at the times team of all Phoenix women. Yeah. So I was like, darn them. Like, I hate these people. <laughs> <laughs> and that they, clearly... the were so good. They were so good. We were, we barely, we barely got by them. I just love that they, 
were asked by Mr. Princess to take it easy on the Denmark team because the Denmark team traveled all the way from Denmark and they didn't want to get beat by a bunch of women and they all like the ballbusters just said, Oh heck no. And they crushed them. And it was so satisfying. <laughs> uh, so cool to watch that. Um, I, re I remember throwing a ball as hard as I could. at Nicole Chasen. I think was she, was she on that team? I want, I want to say she was on the alternative peak team. Okay. Okay. I remember we definitely played the ball busters, but I remember being humbled very much. So, yeah. And, uh, um yeah those I, I thinking back to those days like i remember a couple things one um we didn't know the oregon state guys at all before that right so the beaver damnation <clears throat> team and corvallis is probably five or six hours from so after we definitely like made a connection there in vegas with them and they were they were like our our kind of people like we just vibed right away yeah so like that was like a really strong connection and then i made good i made a connection with glenn spacer that first year and we kind of stayed in touch over the years and um yeah it's it's just wild to think that like people who were there you know 16 years ago or what uh, my brain is not working 12 13 years ago um you know are still active still going still like big parts of the community that is yeah it's so weird that these are my thoughts leading into this um but this is before i even talked to you like i was coming in from my flight this morning like yeah, like I said, I, I passed by the radio, the news station. I just started thinking, like, man, how long have you been? How long have you been doing this? And then something brought up. This is gonna sound really weird. I was thinking of Alan Stott for some reason. Uh -huh. I was like, oh, I remember being his teammate a long time ago. I almost getting kicked in the face every time he like jump up and do his weird dodges. And then I just kind of like went back to rampage and back and forth. I'm like, man, how long has this been? And it's just it's just wild that you can still be a part of something for so long. Um, but what else do I want to look at? Um, actually, I'm glad you're doing this because so I'm watching you add a picture. So on the far right, you've got a picture of yourself with Dublin Dodgeball, winning the Classic, and looks like the Seattle Americans for your return team. That was uh, that was our second year at the NDL. Um, I'll, I'll drop in the the first one, but yeah, on the right, yeah, or just some kind of like you know happy moments. Um, I also, <laughs> I remember, oh God, this was 2011. So the second NDL we went to, I remember like Ed Prentice, like, you know, he, he was like a character in a lot of ways, but um, I showed up to the banquet dressed as a vampire. Uh, so I just put I put a photo in there. Oh my god! And like Kelly Salamone brought it up like recently. She's like, I remember you. You were dressed as a vampire, and I I thought I had like was anonymous at the time, and I didn't know that that had followed me at all. But I got I got kicked out of the casino on my way out because because <laughs> you're not allowed to have face paint or or uh, I don't know in in the casino. But uh, I was walking around the banquet that year with like fangs and like fake blood. And <laughs> my hair slicked back and just like a crazy person. 
Why? As a, as a, because this is, was this still around the time where you're relatively shy? Like, have you come out of your yeah, shell yeah. at this point? Yeah, I guess I had been playing dodgeball for four years at that point. So I was like, you know, obviously not super shy, but I remember thinking like, hey, like, we're all doing this for fun. We're all weirdos. This is like a dodge con, right? Like, like, we all do this really weird specific thing that like most of our friends make fun of us for. And so we should, we should kind of like be, be merry, be happy, be silly. Um, so anyways, I somehow, some way I thought dressing up like a vampire would <laughs> do that, do that spirit justice. Yeah. I, I don't think that was Ed Prentice's vision. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and for as much as I have ragged on them in the past and may continue to, depending on the subject and topic, I really think he had the right mentality with the branding and trying to present dodgeball as a professional thing. And I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, cause I don't think you were the only person that he, that, that upset him. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking Joe Coella and Oh yeah. Oh man. Joe was trashed. Like, I think it was that year. Like it was, was it the Joe's toast birthday. or something. Yeah. Yeah. It was like Joe's birthday or something. And like, do you remember there was like a podium and like, I think like Ed Prentice had all of his, like, I want to, I'm going to be really disrespectful. His henchmen, like Glenn and Kevin Pack and, you know, all the New York empire guys and like, they were all seated up there and i think like it was joe's birthday and like somebody demanded that he get a microphone and he was trashed and like he i don't know it was just really silly and bizarre it was like one of those like uh moments at a wedding when someone's giving a toast and they need to be cut off like it got cringy and hilarious the wrong person has the floor (laughs) yeah yeah i so i have to i could never peg kevin or rob as part of ed prentice's henchmen i'm more thinking like like brett badkey and you know people that were just absolutely refused to to try to you know bring bring the olive branch and and just try to promote dodgeball for what it was uh but there's so many people like i think nikki and oh my god nikki degrano i don't know if anybody knows that name right now I don't, I don't, but, um, you know what Glenn got me back because whether he knows it or not, he got me back because in like 2017 in Boston, he came up to me like at the end of the tournament at nationals, elite nationals. And he's like, really quiet and like kind of coy. And I was like, okay, what's going on? And he like comes up to me like really quietly and he's like, Hey, um, they put this in my bag and uh i think i think it was you and it was like an an ndl like wristband or something (laughs) and i was like you know at the time like ndl like no one wanted to be associated with ndl anymore so i was just like it was almost like if somebody offered you a piece of pizza that had fallen face down on the sidewalk you know i was just like oh like no like get that away from me um but yeah, so Glenn got me good. I was like, Glenn, how could you? How could you think that was me? I was I was out early on Ed. Yeah, that, that brilliant move, Glenn. Um, I, I thought for some reason my mind went to when um, was it Gamecocks Felix Peroni would put um, 
like extra small condoms in the Grand Di- Grand Rapids Dynasty players' gym bags, or th- there's always some kind of shenanigan- shenanigans going on between slipping the most inappropriate things in people's gym bags. So I think an NDL yes. wristband is not terrible. <laughs> No, no, totally. Like it was a very wholesome <clears throat> dodgeball joke. Whoever played that on Glenn, very, very well done. Yeah. Well, let's kind of go back to because well, I'm definitely going to jump around in this uh, this document, which um, I'm not too familiar with Figma. I know it's it's what graphic designers use to show share assets, right? Um, but is this a table? I keep saying spreadsheet. Um, what would it's, you... it's basically just like an uh, a, a blank document. Um, Figma can is like a vector. It's a it is a design tool. So like a lot of web designers use it. Um, so, but it's not. I made this from scratch. So I like I made all these lines, and like designed it out. Um, well, yeah, I had fun. I did like a version like by hand first, like on a piece of paper, nice. just to kind of like make sure I had things where I wanted them and. And then as I went, it got more and more crowded. And yeah, anyways, I'm excited to share it. We'll, we'll see what people think. And uh, I'd love to maybe help people make their own. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hope they do. And um, I'll just refer to it as the, the timeline when we go back and forth. But um, sure. so earlier you had mentioned with um, how you earned your number 19 soccer, right? That was one of the sports you played. Yeah, yeah, I loved soccer. Uh, what, what else did you play growing up? I played uh, I played baseball and soccer from like you know ages five and up. Um, I played I started playing basketball shortly after. Um, I was kind of like an all year round sports kid. Um, I played I played so I played on that club team that I talked about where I got nineteen. I played with them like from middle school through high school, and they was like it was like a couple years up. So I was playing up a few years. And it definitely got me good. Like it got me good at like playing against physical and like bigger players. Um, and then I I eventually played varsity soccer in high school, which was super competitive at my high school. Um, so I was really proud of that. Um, and meanwhile, I was like still playing basketball like in the off season. Like I I joined like um like a high school rec team. Like I tried out for the high school team, didn't make the high school team, but I kept going. Like I played, I I found my own like league to play in. So I played basketball through high school as well as soccer. And I kind of burnt out on soccer. Like Hmm. it was like so serious. I was dealing with some injuries. There was just so much pressure. I, I, I had like the yips. I still like, I still have nightmares about like missing this breakaway goal and like anyways so basketball kind of became my like sanctuary in college i played like basketball like four times a week my roommate and i like bonded over our love of basketball so we would we played like at a pickup game uh at noon with like other students and faculty and staff and so we did that like all through college we played intramurals we we were like the intramural champions at Seattle U. So we like traveled to like a regional intramural tournament. And uh, there's this super giant tournament called Spokane Hoop Fest, which is like a three on three tournament that you play like on like on the streets, like on the asphalt streets. And uh, we would go to that every year. So like basketball was 
like my new passion. And then like around that time I started playing dodgeball, like in my college years. Nice. Um, do you want to talk about the, uh, the nightmares of the game, uh, the breakaway <laughs> goal? That's, I've, that's new to me. I've never heard anything like that before. Oh my gosh. Well, like I was a, I was a striker. I was a forward. So like my job was to score goals. So, um, I like pretty much anytime I would miss a goal or like opportunities that I missed in games, I would go home at night and I would think about like what happened and I would try to put myself in that position and do it over again mm. and get it right. And like that process worked for me. Like I, by, you know, by the end of high school, like I was a very like accomplished, like dynamic scorer. I would just, I just had a knack for like finding the goal. I also like loved playing like cat and mouse with like defenders and like uh, I don't know how familiar you are with soccer but like I would like I would like go off sides I would like go deep into like the offsides territory and like kind of linger in there and like try to like draw defenders in or like allow like the play to like reach me and then I was unmarked so like I just kind of lots of like little little tricky things like I just I loved I loved like the strategy of it and like uh, scoring a goal is like is amazing. Like I don't know if you ever played soccer but like scoring a goal is like one of the greatest feelings because it is like soccer is so singular in like the objective that when you score a goal like you just feel satisfaction. Like you just know you've done your job. Hmm. And um so anyways, in <laughs> um, in high school, let's see, we had we had some very good forwards. So I had to like fit in and on the team. So I ended up like when I got to varsity, I ended up playing left midfield, which is like rough. It's just like a ton of running. Um, it's also on the left side of the field. So it's like tailor made for like left footers. I was a right footer. So um, it was just like a tough, tough gig. And. I think by the time I became a senior, I was getting some playtime and opportunity to be a forward. And early in the season, um, we had this fast break and we had like this phenom freshman on our team who was like on the US, like under 20 team. So he would like jet around the country and like play with the US team and then come back and play with us. And uh, he and I like had this big fast break and he like dropped it off to me and like I just panicked <laughs> like instead of like shooting it I still think about this this ball like I'm like if I could go back I would put it near post I would just like go bam just like put it hard on the ground near post but in the moment I kind of like I did a dummy where like I kind of like let it go through my legs and tried to do a spin move and like it was a disaster I, I missed I missed the shot and I slowly started losing my um opportunity to be a striker uh so yeah anyways that that's the play that haunts me and now steve i'll hear it every time i listen to this podcast <laughs> sorry man it just uh it it strikes me that you know you're a very chill easygoing guy so i had to I had to take not take advantage i, I had to ask you know what <laughs> what keeps you up at night know. not not that you i want to like it, it's a it's totally fair and i was actually thinking like 
I, I was listening to a podcast earlier today. I've been listening to like a lot of soccer stuff since the um, Women's World Cup has been on. And even since like the Men's World Cup just recently, um, I've just been back into like soccer fandom. And um, I heard this quote, uh, I forget which coach, no, it was like from like Mario Andretti, the race car driver. And he said that like the fans remember the crashes, but the drivers remember like the near misses. Hmm. And I thought that was so interesting. And it made me think a little bit about like all the plays that I wish I could have back in dodgeball. And I, I feel like maybe if, if I get to ask a question to the next person, like maybe that will be a question that I ask them is, you know, like what, what's a play or a moment you wish you could have back and do differently. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I will tell you now that that will come up. So if you want to write that down, I'm, I'm okay. actually I'm going to do that right now in my notes because for those that are listening, uh, because of time, I, we're going to have to break this up into two recording sessions because I already know it's going to, we're probably going to very easily clear the two hour mark. So um, what is a play you wish you could take back? So in case you guys hear first half, second half, I mean, the way I'm going to edit this is it's going to be one full episode, but um, yeah, I, I put it down there. <clears throat> That's a good one, man. Um, hmm. Well, um, to answer your question earlier, I am, I don't like soccer mostly cause I'm terrible at it. Like, like I just, I can't, I can't do it. And same thing with basketball. Those are like the only two sports I'm absolutely just crap at. And I wish I liked soccer more because <clears throat> it's such a, it's such a, I mean, the rest of the world loves it. So um, I try to follow the, the World Cup when I can, but um, can't say I'm a huge fan. Uh, what's the team that's out there now? Um, uh, you guys have an ML MLS team, right? Yeah, we have uh, the Seattle Sounders. And Sounders. We also have a, a women's professional soccer team, the OL Reign. Like Megan Rapino is on that team. Nice. Um, so yeah, Seattle, Seattle's pretty soccer crazy. Like you, if you went to a soccer field pretty much any night of the year, it's booked. Like it's, it's Seattle loves its soccer. Gotcha. Well, um, real quick, after all these sports that you played, which, which ones do you think contributed to dodgeball for you the most? Mm. Um, I mean, I feel like my legs kind of still like, like shuffle and strafe like a soccer player a little bit um i definitely think like basketball like the lateral movement like defensive shuffle like the kind of stuff um definitely like helps um but you know like yeah those are the two things uh i mentioned this on tate's podcast but i think it's still relevant like i think like being a goal scorer and like kind of like having that opportunity to troubleshoot and be creative and try to like try to like outthink your opponent or just like you know like experiment i think that has like contributed to like kind of like my strategic mind in dodgeball but at this point i've been playing dodgeball so long that i would say my dodgeball experience has helped your dodgeball led to, <laughs> led to my dodgeball success yeah i think after uh an amount of years that's probably the answer moving forward um yeah that's um that makes sense and again you've always struck me as the a very uh intellectual player that 
has the athleticism to pack it up. So, you know, the second, you know, I take my off you, the second I make a mistake, you're quick enough to either through trickery or just straight athleticism capitalize on that. And I can kind of see how that would come from, you know, playing an array of sports and um, just having the, all the calculations you need in playing soccer to, to make that happen. Um, all right. So just a real quick introduction or interruption, pardon me. Uh, so we had to break this off into two parts. And um, before we did that, you had mentioned that you had a league to go, go to, uh, to go play in, but you also mentioned, I think maybe offline that this was the one that you initially started playing in. Um, so in a way it's kind of like you've come full circle. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Um, the league last night was at Cal Anderson park, which is like the same tennis courts and pickup that I started at like 16 years ago. So it was, this is one of the first kind of like non pickup games to be hosted there. But, um, yeah, it's cool. I live, uh, Michaela and I bought a house last year, two years ago, and we're within walking distance of that park. So it's really awesome to be able to like continue to participate there and drop down when there's events. And uh, yeah, so I went in last night. They were, there's an outdoor no sting league that's happening in the summer at that park. And, and uh, I go, it's like a casual league. So I, I go out there and, uh, try to support all the new players and get everyone having a good time. Nice man. And I don't know if I missed it, but do, do you run this league or are you just, do you just play in it? I just play in it, just play which it. is amazing. I'll bet that's, that's a good feeling. Do, do you ref or you just, you're just hundred percent a player. Um, all the teams have to ref. So you'll get kind of like USA rounds. Like you'll get, um, like a refing round, or a break round or you'll be playing. So gotcha. um, there's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's also like very DIY. Like it's a very, very cheap league. There's no, like, there's no overhead on like the space. Right. So um, it, I think it was like 10 bucks a person. It's like eight weeks long and the money just basically covers the balls and t-shirts for everybody who's playing. So it's super cool. And it's like a unique one of a kind location. It's like in the middle of the city and like a couple of the weeks there was like a like a a, a dance group like like I want to say like boomer <laughs> boomer dance group that was happening like right next door. So like people were like doing square dancing while we were playing dodgeball and it's like all happening in this vibrant beautiful park nice. in downtown Seattle. You know, I think you might have invited me to go play out there years ago um because this is tennis courts right yeah yeah it's the same ones that you know all of the big dodgeballers from seattle have come from and like four i think like four of the fortune players all started there at that park um so a lot of us a lot of us got our our first dodgeball experience there that's cool yeah i'm um yeah. Well, okay. So <laughs> January 12th, 2015. Wow. Well, I don't even think I said hi to you. Dang. Any D ball in the Seattle area next Friday by chance? Well, my bad, dude. I just straight up didn't even say hello. How are you? <laughs> wow. Okay. Steve. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, 
that's egg on my face. But yeah, Cal Anderson Park, 9 to 11, that, that's the one, right? Um, that's it, yeah. Weather is totally crappy. People might trickle in. It's nice. There should be some good. That, that's awesome, man. Are, are you reading like our... Uh, yeah, I scrolled all the way up to our... From like eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. My my absolute bad. The first thing I said to you is just, gosh, gosh dang, Steve, man. Dude, it's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we probably didn't really know each other at that point. All the more reason to be like, hey, you know, how are you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, um, that's crazy. Yeah, that's... There, there's like um, several like open gyms on my bucket list that I want to play in. Uh, Seattle's definitely one of them. So if I'm in the area, I will first of all say hello and then see if there's anything <laughs> going on so we can play. But, um, but what's it like, man, to, to go all the way from like, you know, that quiet shy kid, um, to who you are now. I mean, uh, at, since the last time I spoke, your, your accomplishments and your timeline of dodgeball has, you know, in this, um, this like spreadsheet matrix thing has exploded. Like it's like twice the size now. Um, what's it like though? Like, I mean, do you, do you have those moments you just kind of appreciate how far you've come or can you kind of share that a little bit what that feels like? I mean, I mean, it's been a 16 year progression, right? So it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Like it's one of those things where you, you slowly become who you are. Right. So you're very, it's like such a gradual change, but but I, I mean, I, I feel like I've benefited more than anybody from the dodgeball community, right? Like, I'm, as even though I would define myself as a very shy person, or I was a very shy person, I was very extroverted as well. So it was like a really tough combination, right? Where like I wanted to connect with other people, but I was really nervous and anxious. Um, so you know, like the game gave me a way and a reason to connect. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's awesome. It's great. And like the fact that now there are so many games in Seattle that are being hosted by other people is like, it's a dream. It's a dream come true. And, and that I can, you know, just kind of drop in and sub for a team is just like amazing right because 10 years ago i was probably running everything that was happening um so yeah it's it's amazing and i it's funny like i still have i still get like imposter syndrome and still have a lot of self-doubt but um but you know i i have to like externalize some of my I guess, dodgeball accomplishments to like remind myself of who I am or what I've done. Um, sometimes like, like for example, the, the dodgeball Lou, like Instagram, I started that when I was recovering from my rotator cuff. And I think, you know, it had been so long since I was healthy that I forgot like what it was like to like be successful on the court. And so I started kind of going back through old footage and bookmarking like my my favorite moments and that kind of turned into that project where I started, you know, sharing those those clips. So things like that kind of um keep me out of my head or keep me from I'm getting too down on myself, but um I I always try to stay humble. I'm always I'm always hungry 
and and trying to get better and um, improve. So yeah, I don't know. That's a very long way, long winded answer, but yeah. I appreciate that answer. And, um, it's going to sound weird, but, um, it's almost refreshing to, uh, meet another fellow person that, you know, has mad imposter syndrome because it's just such a, such a real thing. I mean, I have that constantly and even offline, I was telling you about another assignment I might pick up. And sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I, I must be good because I've gotten this far. You can only fake things for so long, but then sometimes I'm just like, Oh man, I'm such a total fraud. Like, it's, like, how did I, how did I get to this point? So, um, appreciate you sharing that, man. I mean, you never know who, who might benefit from hearing some of these, like, um, for lack of better words, like behind the Instagram reel stories and the actual person, you know, we're all complicated people. And <clears throat> I don't think I would have paid you as a, as an introvert ever. Um, so <laughs> no, 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 a shy extrovert. That's what I would have said. Yeah. I was, I was thinking, uh, an extroverted introvert. Like that's, that's how I describe myself because I can, I can fake it enough to feel comfortable. Um, but sometimes I'll walk into a big room like, Nope, Nope. Gotta leave. Can't, can't do this. So weird. Um, I do have one, like just follow up anecdote to your question and it kind of connects with the league last night. So like last night I played on a team with a bunch of players who are relatively new like like most of them i've been playing dodgeball for less than a year um and and it's awesome i love like meeting new players and like welcoming them to like the dodgeball community but like <laughs> going back to like your question about like are there moments where you like remember you know like who you are what you've become like it does get weird when they ask like, Oh, how long have you been playing dodgeball? Or like, you know, like, what do you like, what's your dodgeball? And like, that's kind of when like the ruse is up, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I can't pretend I'm like, Oh, I'm just, just like you. Like, I'm like, no, I've, I've dedicated most of my life to this. Uh, like I remember someone like a couple of weeks ago was like, what do you do outside of this? And I was just like, um, mostly this <laughs> uh so yes anyways there are moments where i'm just like yeah i'm not i'm not new anymore yeah I'm the, not, the jig not. is up yeah <laughs> yeah i um yeah it's funny because you just remind me of like so last year as we've kind of talked offline and in, in, in my last episode like it, it was a rough year but one of one of the Highlights was actually playing out in Seattle because it was just a bunch of different teams. And it was, um, you know, for my team, it was, I don't want to say inconsequential, but I got to meet some really cool people like Asai and all them. And so I was able to mm -hmm. just kind of play the way I want to, like no pressure, nothing to prove. Um, and that ended up being some of the best play I've ever had. And it was really cool for you to acknowledge that, um, especially in Dude, person. You were, you were balling. Like, I'll, I'll never forget it. You you were in a groove. I remember you just playing right corner and just like making combos, like hitting cross courts, catching like your corner, holding you. I was just like, damn Steve. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that, that meant a lot, man. And I think, um, the only reason why I'm bringing it up is because you had, you had said, you know, um, you know, you'd compliment me. I said, it's, it's there. It's always been there. Just sometimes it's just doesn't want to come out. And that kind of goes mm -hmm. back to like the, 
I'm not a new guy. Like sometimes it shows I've been around for a while and sometimes the brain and body combine. So uh, that's why I want to go east. Like I want to go to the south, southeast area and maybe wear like a mustache and dye my hair and just, you know, some glasses and <laughs> see what I can get away with. But, oh um, my gosh. Yeah. This is good because I, I didn't get a chance to, to capitalize on it yesterday, but you had mentioned um, one of the things you do to like help yourself improve. And um, I wonder if this was happening in your mind when you were trying to recover from your injury. You say you like, you replay bad moves. Um, you did this when you played soccer. So like you'll revisit a play and I guess you'll just like mentally rehearse what you could have done differently until you feel better about it. Like, do, can you mm. get into that the more and do you do that with dodgeball? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty reflective, um, especially in like big moments. Um, I think there's like, there's like a handful of moments that still haunt me. <laughs> um, and like, I was thinking like, which are the ones that stand out? There's like kind of a random one, but um, there was like the first year that fortune existed 2018 we played down in LA and it was an elite round in LA and we were we were doing we were in the co-ed we were in the co-ed division and I remember that like we were playing Echo we we're playing against Pyan, Ketchum, Joe Coella. Very easy team to just steamroll over no big deal. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and this was the bracket right we had made it I think we were in the second or third round in the bracket and i remember lizzie hoder my good teammate like made like a sick like counter where she like took out catch them and and like i think pion got out like in the mix like there was it was like a chaotic play we came out on top of it and I, for some reason, <laughs> just started running and I did like, I basically jumped and did a flight kill at Joe Coella <laughs> and he like dove under it and I totally whiffed oh, no. <laughs> and like lost my team in the game. Like, like there, we still had a couple of players, but like, basically like I blew like the whole momentum swing and like. Anyways, I, I remember it was just like a moment where I was just like carried away. And, and so that, that's like a moment I wish I could get back and just like take a second, enjoy the advantage and like capitalize on it. Um, so on fortune, we actually have, we have some, like, we have a lot of like code words, but, um, we have one that basically means like you did something awesome in like take a look at it see the situation and decide what you want to do next um so yeah that's <laughs> that's one of those plays that haunts me hmm i mean that you can't help it sometimes you get excited and <laughs> the body takes <laughs> off before the brain can stop you um <laughs> oh it's definitely like a yolo moment yeah just like here we go <laughs> You know, somewhere though in the parallel universe, uh, you pulled it off, you nailed Joe and it was like the most epic finish to, uh, that <laughs> game. So some other Lou out there is looking at that fondly loving it. So yes. Yeah. Good, good on you. Other Lou. Yep. Sometimes, uh, other Steve gets to reap the benefits of the mistakes I've made that bastard, but, uh, 
Yeah, okay. I, I can. I have another. I have another example. It, it's not like a specific example, but this is one that I think about a lot. Like right now, I specialize in seven-inch foam, and like my my normal throw is kind of like a four-seam fastball. Like it has backspin, pretty pretty vertical backspin, and like when I throw really hard, the spin like takes it it takes off like it basically just goes up and i am like fighting that right so like sometimes when i like increase speed i have to like aim down and then like the spin will like level it out it's like this it's like an evil thing hmm. but people tell me like you know it has its benefits too right like my ball like rises above blockers and it clips you know clips people it's hard to catch so it's, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword. But there have been, like, moments in the last couple of years where, like, key moments, whether it's on Team USA or on Fortune, where I've had, like, an opportunity. It was right there in front of me. And, like, with another ball, I feel like I could hit it. Like, 8.5, like, it's a hit. But for some reason, with 7-inch, I'm still fighting that backspin. And so when I, like, sometimes at night, like I'll remember these moments and I will go in and I'll like do a different throw. Like I'll do a different technique or I'll just slightly change the angle of my wrist or like, you know, my follow through and like, you know, try to imagine a different approach that would hit that player. Um, so those are, those are just kind of some examples of like how I reflect on moments. Gotcha. And I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said about the mental rehearsal, um, for, you know, basically anything. Like, I think, I think there's some kind of weird effect where if you can visualize it and, and just have that confidence that you're going to do it correctly next time. Um, like I, I can't, I can't pull even anecdotes, but I think like scientifically it's been proven that that helps, um, you know, athletes make huge strides and it's funny because now that I'm thinking about it, we do in the army all the time and I should probably try that because I try not to dwell on, on mistakes. I've, I've got a few obviously playing for like the last 18 years. Some are going to kind of haunt me, but I'd never do anything to go back and correct it. I just kind of accepted it as, as it, you know, for being what it is. But, um, I mean, it's kind of a dumb question at this point, but just to recap, you, there is benefit when you do this, you, you revisit a play and you just mentally rehearse it and the outcome is you get better in some way. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I think there's definitely a point where like you're wasting your own time. Right. So I think, I think there's, there's definitely value in looking at your, your weaknesses and your mistakes and, and trying to learn from them. And at a certain point you got to move on. Right. And you know, it's easier said than done, but Yeah. Yeah, I'm typing the notes like only when it's productive. Like you can't you can't like berate yourself. You can't be like Uncle Rigo from Napoleon Dynamite and just like never move on. <laughs> uh, I I want to give a shout out to Ruan, my teammate on Fortune. Um in our team chat this week, we we just scrimmaged against Misfits, like our our local uh team. And uh we had like a little mini tournament and we met in the finals and they beat us. And it was like one of the first times that they 
beat us like in a big matchup. They they've beaten us before. Like at, I think they beat us in round three in one of the divisions that you at that tournament you were at. But yep. anyways, it was a big win, big win for them, tough loss for us. Um, and so we we were kind of examining like you know like what what were the things that went wrong, and uh, Ruan in the chat in our team chat said hey i'm gonna just put it out there all the things i did wrong and so he went through and like put like five different plays that he messed up on and gave timestamps to each of them and like kind of listed what he should have done instead and like i thought it was such a cool example of accountability right like yeah for like sure. he was like modeling it for the rest of us like hey i i know i can improve like, I hope that you believe that you can improve too, right? So um, I think that's great. And and like you said, like when it's productive and, and, and being able to like move on from it when after you've kind of aired it. Yeah, that's uh, <clears throat> good on him. Because I mean, it takes a lot to even want to, to do that and feel, you know, uh, make yourself vulnerable in front of your teammates. But that's a heck of a way to, to kind of lead by example and get that conversation going. And if obviously you guys are receptive and supportive and offer your own, I mean, what better way for a team to get better? I mean, we, again, I hate to keep saying that's what we do in the army, but that's what we do. Every time we run a lane, we have the AARs and we talk about what was supposed to happen, what went well, what did not go well, improve sustains, that kind of stuff. And it's, it's meant to do that. So, you know, it enforces the belief that nobody's perfect. And as a team, we can all improve if we focus on, you know, the areas where we may have fall short. So, um, you know, hopefully if anybody's a captain or on a team and they want to get better, that, that's a great way to do it. Um, and man, talk about misfits and, and how far they've come. I remember, um, what, 20, 2019, um, I saw them for the first time in Austin and they were kind of like, uh, I don't want to say like an easy team, they beat us. So I can't even say that, but they were like, you know, they, they weren't on fortunes level from, mm -hmm. from Washington, but just watching how far they've come and, and how well they placed in all the tournaments since then. Um, that's, that's really impressive yeah. to see that much talent come out of uh, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I, I'll give them a shout out. Like um, John Bell or casually confident is like he's a dodgeball machine he's playing like six nights a week sometimes do it. twice in one night like what he, he is putting in the work like he is he is out there he's playing every ball type at nationals he's doing every division he's a, he's a monster um so he he's awesome he's somebody that i am in touch with you know several times a week we're always chatting about dodgeball he he's also a board member in dodgeball seattle so he's nice he's doing a lot of work and he's out in the community all the time um and he's the team captain so we we are always chatting about team captain stuff because you know it's hard to get people places and get rsvps and schedule things so um yeah john john is just doing an amazing job and the misfits have all been putting in the work so it's really awesome to see them and to have two men's teams in the top eight in the foam division nationally is from one city like all the players on those teams are basically from the seattle area uh, is really uh, a point of pride for for me yeah definitely i mean especially because for the longest time it was you know west coast dominant with maybe an east coast team here or there but uh 
power shifting, which is really cool. Um, so I wanted to get into competitive. I mean, this is a great segue. So, you know, um, question generally is what drew you into the NCDA, NDL, UDC, and just kind of looking at your history, um, make this so easy. So 2010 NDL, Seattle rain, prior to that, it looked like you were just doing Seattle street dodgeball pickup and loyal Heights pickup. Um, but I do see dodgeball syndicate around the same time. Yeah. frame. So what yeah. was, what, what was like, how did you hear about the NDL? Why did you decide to fork over the hundreds of dollars to play? And you know, what, what, <laughs> what made you take that leap from, sorry, man, yellow hoodie to I'm going to start competing now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I love Stodgewell. I was playing like in the pickup days in my like 2007 to like 2010 in that time before I went to NDL, I was playing like, you know, three times a week playing pickup 8.5 rubber. And I was at first like the Seattle street Dodgewell we played on Capitol Hill. So at the, at the court I was at last night and then we found out about this game happening across town at like another community center. And so I went over there and kind of found that community. And I was like quietly like determined to destroy them. Like I was just like my, I was like, I was like you guys in your bougie gym, like indoors, like I play dodgeball outside all year round. Like I'm here to wreck you. Um, So like there was just competition, like right off the bat. Um, one of the things I learned later is that um, that other game, Loyal Heights, they had their their top players had been down to Portland for like a big rubber tournament. And like, I guess the Portlanders had won like one of the NDLs like in 2006 or 2007. So like, like a lot of like history kind of flowed through like Portland into Seattle and the Loyal Heights crew, they knew about pinching and like we didn't know about pinching oh, yeah. in over at Seattle Street Dodgeball. So like our players learned how to pinch like from the folks across town. And uh, let's see, then the Dodgeball Syndicate, a few of their guys started hosting this league, like a rubber league. And it was fun. And I, I think I helped like set up a draft for anybody who didn't have a team. And so the teams were like pretty well balanced. I had a great time. I really loved like back then, as you might remember, like the strategy was just not understood yet, or it was like super. There was none. It was like throw as hard as you can, sometimes yeah. together, maybe catch. <laughs> That's about it. So, so like, I really enjoyed like kind of like thinking about the game and unlocking it and i was i was a good thrower and catcher which was like it was rare to be like a combo of both of those things and so i could get away with a lot but i remember one of the things that i kind of unlocked was like the idea of like padding the line like getting somebody out first so that you could get like their best player out next and like Later in the game, if you threw a catch, you know, the best player wouldn't come in right away. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that was like something I learned in that league back in 2010, where I was like, oh, nice. Okay. Um, so anyways, that kind of got my appetite for dodgeball up. And a couple of those guys and 
some folks from Seattle Street Dodgeball, some folks from Loyal Heights, we made a team that went to the NDL. And and I remember that first tournament. There, like, we talked a little bit about it last time, but like a lot of the people who are still prominent in the community were there, right? Like Justin Pine was there. Tim Fullerton was there. I guess he's not playing too much right now, but um, like I think Rise of Brutality had a team. Um, I think Vince Marchbanks was there that year, um, if not the next year for the first time. Um, I met Glenn. I met like Matt D um, from Tech Texas, I think he was from. Um, the Adrenaline Rush guys. Uh, I met Mark Acom. I remember Mark Acom. <laughs> um who else yeah nicole chasen um i remember of course rampage i wanted to wanted to give it up to become a a phoenix dodgeballer um so yeah yeah it was it was a great experience i remember really liking the competition um i also was like we so we this is going to sound like a, a brag but we were like undefeated in the round robin both years like we didn't I'm pretty sure we didn't lose in the round robin and we had like really, really high seeds, but then we lost like almost immediately or in the first or second round eat both years in the open eight, five or 8.5 division. And we were so like confused. And so like, I remember going home after 2010 and just practicing the rush over and over and over. I was, and Oh, we were losing because of the rush. Like, like the other team was getting at least like four out of six balls. And we were just like, what the heck? How are we losing on the rush? Like, how are we so slow? And so I just remember after 2010, just training on the rush and then going back and still losing on the rush. And, and like, we were even losing to like ball busters on the rush. And I was just like, what is going on? And then I realized, oh, like everyone is leaving early. <laughs> like everyone, everyone is like everyone knows the cadence and is like jumping the gun. Right. Um, and that was back. I don't know if you remember this, but in the round Robin, each team started with three balls, but in the knockout, you rushed for all six and you're doing like head to head rushing where like you're both running at the same ball for all six. Um, so it was brutal. Like we, we were just like, yeah, we're good at this. And then we just like, couldn't do the rush and we got bounced so fast. And then I think that second year, we were also not thrilled with like the amount of like play time slash waiting, and uh, we were like, eh, we've we've had enough of this. But that that was kind of our entry into um, into the competitive scene. Uh, Mark Acom kind of kept in touch with me, and he actually invited us to come out to one of his like elite invitationals in 2012. So that was kind of like the next thing we did, but we got, we got crushed at that invitational. It was in LA. And I remember thinking after that, like, I need to go home and like develop the local scene more. Like we need to play more team dodgeball. Cause we were, we were all like pickup chunkies, right? We were playing like three to four times a week. And I remember thinking like, I need to start more team dodgeball so that we can compete with these other teams. Cause I, I was like, it's not the skill. Like we're all very skilled. We just don't know how to use that skill. 
So shortly after I started the first foam foam league in Seattle. Nice. Well, real quick, just on the off chance, somebody from Rise is listening. Like they truly had the first strategy from two thousand like seven. So I just to I had to get that out there. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was basic, but I mean, I remember as playing as rampage in 2010 like we were trying to counter their strategy and we we're like this is the first time we had ever played with strategy um especially mixing with the phoenix crowd because with evil we just did whatever the heck we wanted to do but um i think it's awesome that you know instead of <clears throat> moving to phoenix to go where dodgeball is you kind of brought the talent um, up so to speak by making it a focus and and taking upon yourself to try to help build, you know, a solid core group of competitive players. And, you know, it's Sergio and I talk about this a lot, especially when we're talking to each other about like legacy and, um, you know, for, for a lot of us, I think when we played dodgeball, we want to leave something behind in some capacity. And so, you know, when you're looking back and I don't want to bestow too much credit upon you unless this is accurate, but if you can look at, how much Seattle has exploded since the early days of, you know, the Portland rain or excuse me, Seattle rain, you know, mm -hmm. 13 years ago, the fact that you have a hand in that, it's got to feel really good. Um, cause it's, yeah. it's grown past you now and other people are picking up the, uh, you know, picking up for, from where you not necessarily left off, but they're, they're making it their own now. And that's, that's awesome. So that's really cool to, to kind of hear that come from, you know, this goofy picture of you from, 13 years ago to, to where you are now. Um, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I, it's interesting. I mean, I feel like we should talk about league organizing at some point, but absolutely. Um, I, I remember thinking like, I think that like what I would want to talk about next is like the foam league and just kind of just that experience. So this was like shortly after coming back from that tournament at in LA that Mark Acom hosted, I think it was called the elite eight or elite invitational. Um, I kind of like looked at the dodgeball community in Seattle and we were playing 8.5 exclusively at the time. And we were aware of some foam dodgeball like happening around us, like up in Canada and and like south of Seattle in like the Olympia area. And and I noticed that it was like back when I started, like anybody could just jump in and like have a good time. Like dodgeball was just silly. It was it was goofy. You're all kind of getting a kick out of doing this thing that you're not really allowed to do, which is throw throw balls at people on strangers, right? Right. Um, and a lot of people were coming there for community and just to like meet people, make friends, and have a good time. And and like what I noticed, like you know, five years later, in 2012, is that it was harder and harder for like new people to come in and and have a good time, right? Like the regulars in our community, we're getting so good at dodgeball that um, like a new player had very little chance of like getting people out on their first night. Um, they had like a very small chance of like having success on the court. 
Um, and like 8.5 rubber is kind of an unforgiving ball. And, and we, we were playing at the Seattle street dodgeball, like pinching was legal. Headshots were legal. The courts were super, super wide. So you're getting like blindsided all the time. Um, and same, similar for loyal heights, like pinching headshots, 8.5 rubber. And that one is like a full court basketball, kind of like NCDA. So like, these were like pretty, you know, unique and interesting environments, but I was like, I recognize this issue we're having. And, and like, one of the things that I realized is that like the ball <laughs> is like a barrier <laughs> for new players. Um, because it takes so long to gain the arm strength to throw it hard and get someone out. And, you know, you, there's a good chance you're going to get blasted and like feel some severe pain before ever feeling any joy of getting someone out or doing something good. Um, so we started a foam league as, as like a way to kind of reach out to more people and get more people playing dodgeball. Um, and in 2012 that was like the only league in seattle so um it was both like our be our beginner league and our like best league right it was like it was kind of the the only show in town um and like in the early days it was like a bring your own team league and then pretty quickly we shifted to a draft league and we never looked back so hmm. That league, the foam league, has been a draft league for almost all of its existence, and it still is up to this day. And the draft league was amazing. It really like unlocked a lot for us as a community. It allowed new players to come and integrate like super easily. Like you didn't have to have a bunch of friends to bring to form a team and like jump on. Um, it also meant that like if you played in like a couple seasons in a row, you would start to know like your opponents, like your teammates from last season are now all spread out onto all these other teams. And, and, you know, when you go to the bar, they're sitting with their new teammates and you can sit down and they'll introduce you. And like, there was just all this like wonderful kind of like networking and community happening that the draft league really unlocked. Um, and yeah, so I, it, I'm like super, super happy. I, I ran that league. Oh man, it's only recently that I stopped running it. So I, I, we ran it maybe like three to four times a year or I don't know. Let's see. It's going on 11 years. So we've done like 40 seasons of it. Um, and it's, it's like definitely one of my, my proudest achievements like in dodgeball is like running that league and and uh it's now being run by a couple a handful of people but like just really awesome people dodgeballers who like really get the spirit in the community aspect and and now in Seattle, we have like a competitive league that kind of takes the pressure off of the the social league or the foam league from being like too competitive. And so like now the foam league is really kind of focused on socializing, making friends, building community. Um, and so like the organizers who are in charge now, like get it, like they're super 
spirited they're awesome they're people that other people like gravitate towards and like their their spirit is contagious so like i'm i'm like pretty much out like i'm not needed i'm in like the organizer chat but i don't have any responsibilities and it's like it's happening and it's like that's the dream come true right is like starting something that and passing the torch and seeing that it's like still amazing yeah and it may be even better than than what it was when i was running it yeah no it's absolutely hope for because you the last thing you want is for it to to die when you leave because it's like well crap (laughs) like that's never good um that's awesome that you were able to pick up on the fact that a draft league was uh, the way to go because it, it also, you know, if I'm a brand new player but I'm playing next to a veteran that's competed in all the competitive tournaments up until that point, there's a lot I can learn from that person versus going through the pain of, you know, like you said, grabbing five, six of my friends and just getting dumped on, um, you know, by you know the top two, three teams for, you know, that league. So I think leagues that do that definitely have the right mindset and then to be able to split off between a recreational more social league and a competitive one is also a great feat or a great like achievement because then you don't have to worry about some of the you know i I don't know if we can use the term pro players semi-pro players competitive players wailing on people that are just slowly getting their you know their feet in the water so um i feel like that's probably like what like the the staple like all leagues should aspire for is you know you last long enough to where the organizers can can step away and it will still flourish with or without them and then there's also a place for newbies to play and a place for they've got the people that want to take it very seriously to play as well and I mean, that's a tall order for anybody but um you know maybe maybe people can look to you as a as a model and how to get that started um I mean, I'm, I'm talking yeah, about people starting from brand new or from from scratch. I, I just, I'd throw it out there that if anybody wants to ever talk about league organizing or dodgeball community building, that I, I welcome it anytime. So please, please reach out and I'd love to chat and hear about your community and what you, what you're working on. You guys came up with the, the shout out board, right? Or the shout outs in, in the, <laughs> we, in the, um, <laughs> group right i'll I'll give uh i'll give ricky credit ricky surrett from portland i think okay he is the first person i remember doing it i think it was a portland tradition and we we've carried it on so we do it every week after we post the standings in our leagues we we do shout outs for like you know the cool things that we saw out there and it's a it is like a really awesome tradition and i think we did it for that round three that you came up for so you got to you got a little glimpse of like what we how we do it yeah, I, and I'd seen it before. I was like, "That's a fantastic idea." And then you see Dylan Tobia doing it down in um, Eugene, and um, I even think Corey Fulton. Sorry, man, if I butchered your name, is is doing it too. Um, I couldn't tell you where his league is, but um, it's a it's a cool thing that to see catching on, and then it's on my feed, so I get to see like you know the feats of people I've never met, and it's it's such a I don't know, it's like um a value add for lack of better words for a league is, you know, people want to get shouted out. I mean, the next best thing is, you know, did I make the highlight reel, which, uh, did you ever, did you ever catch on to Phoenix dodgeball, um, on YouTube or did you ever follow us out here? I say us like I, I was, I think I, 
I think you mentioned it in one of your pods recently. So I, I dug it up and was looking at like old videos yeah. I, that might've been, I don't know. I, so yeah, yes and no. Yeah. They, they, um, the organizers, um, oh man, Ed Raymer and Ryan Anderson did this week in Phoenix dodgeball and God bless them because they did like a sports center type show uh, in their living room and they got into character and they would just mention, you know, some of the highlights and then they would run a highlight reel and it was the coolest thing. Cause we would, it wasn't enough to go play and, and, um, engage in some pretty competitive dodgeball at the time, 8.5 dodgeball. But then I think like four or five days later, they'd release that episode. And, you know, most of us just hung on every single second. Like, did I make it? Did I make it? And such a cool thing to do. I mean, imagine if you had endless amounts of time and money to, to make that happen. So anytime you can prop somebody up or, or shout out a player, I know people love that. So, you know, hopefully that's something that maybe we'll see happening across the leagues, um, moving forward. But, um, yeah, I think uh, to add on to that, like, I would say that that's something that top players can do to nurture their community is to, you know, uh, give, give love, give praise, give compliments to like the people around them and, and encourage them. Right. Because people look up to you, people think you're awesome. And like when you, your, your words have power. Much, much better than, you know, owning people. Right. Cause I, I, I'll never understand the player that feels the need to just completely obliterate brand new players to establish their their dominance or how good they are. Like I never got that, never will get that. <clears throat> but I, I I imagine you've seen that in your entire history of of running a league, and that that's something I kind of want to bring up since we're kind of talking about league. Um, how, how would you? Well, first of all, have you experienced problematic? players that are really good that don't know how to you know not necessarily step off the gas a little bit but are you know just thriving on owning brand new people hurting the chances of them coming back hurting the chances of retention and growth so i guess two-part question have you experienced yeah. that first of all yeah totally totally all the time all awesome the time. so how, how... It's, and it's like i think like in a social it, it's really tough it's tough it's really hard it's hard for everybody right because Oftentimes people are doing it without knowing, right? They're just, they're doing their thing. They're just playing on autopilot and their autopilot is just inappropriate for certain environments or certain players, certain opponents. Um, so I think part of it falls on like the players to recognize like, okay, I'm not at an elite tournament. Um, I'm across from someone who is like, you know, trembling or like is holding the ball, you know, in such a way that I, you know, whatever is like clearly out of their league right now. <laughs> obvious yeah. that they're new, right? And they're processing a lot. Um, one of the things I've told players is like, hey, you're not allowed to blast someone until you've met them, until you know their name. Um, so huh. that's that's just like a short one that I, I've said to top <laughs> players because just... it's it's a lot easier to apologize for throwing a headshot at somebody when you have some kind of existing relationship, right? Or, um, you know, or like, you know, if you blast them, right, you can check in with them later and, and 
and that check-in like means a little more because uh, they already you already have a, a little bit of a a point of contact. So that's one of the things I say. Like you're not allowed to blast someone until you've met them. Um, the other thing that I would say is that I think like rec level organizers it have like a really hard task of like creating these spaces that are welcoming for new players and they have to they have to and are like very vigilant in like maintaining the spirit of that environment um and i think i think like as uncomfortable as it might be for top players like i think it's really important that they hear that feedback when, when they get it right like if a if a rec league organizer tells you that you're going too hard or that what you're doing is like negatively impacting like the game like that should be like a a warning to you that like you know you need to change the way you're playing or you need to just have your expectations differently when you come to this game right maybe you can't you can't get out what you were trying to get out of it like you're gonna have to set up a different kind of training environment yeah um so those are two things i think from the organizer's perspective too it's really important to like clarify like the spirit and mission of of a given league or a tournament um we we hosted a couple tournaments this month and last that featured like top teams like misfits and fortune and hardest foam but it also had like and and like whisper and fembots and bloom but it also had like brand new teams that were coming together and so as event hosts in the morning when we were making announcements we reminded everyone hey the spirit of this event one of the one of our goals is to encourage team formation and there's some teams here that are really well established and you know WDBF rules inside and out and there's some teams that are brand new and so you need to have patience and uh, just remember our goal our goal is to like create an event that is awesome for everybody and that encourages teams to come back and you know tr maybe try to get to know those folks on the other side and, and hear where they're from and what dodgeball is like where they're from and um so yeah, it it takes it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to create those environments, but um, I think our sport is so small and has such a small foundation that um, we have to do a lot to kind of like preserve those rec spaces. Yeah, I think it like you said, it, it's like expectation management and just being able to to recognize, oh man, this guy's going way too hard. Let's talk to this person and first of all, find out if they even realize what they're doing to be fair to them. And uh, I was laughing earlier when you said you have to know the name of the person before you blast them. It's like you're humanizing the victims, which is just, it's just my dark humor laughing. But um, I mean, I guess that makes it easier because it's like, oh, instead of just blasting this random person, like, oh, I'm sorry, Billy, or I'm sorry, Jim, or... I just realized, I was going to say Timmy, I just realized how generic Rise names are. I thought I was being <laughs> random with those names. I just named like half the roster. Uh, Bartholomew, my bad. I didn't mean to hit you in the face. Um, anyway. Um, 
Let's take yeah, it. yeah, because like I mean, like you said humanizing the uh, the victim <laughs> sounds like a very military phrase, but like that's the dark humor talking. My we're bad. not <laughs> we're not in the military, right? We're not in war. We are in dodgeball. Like we're probably playing against somebody who lives across town from us, right? Or <laughs> lives in our neighborhood. So like, yeah. So, it's important to like remind people that like, Hey, we are, we are all coming here to like have fun and meet people and, and, uh, make connections and find community. Yeah. I was just, uh, <laughs> sorry. Man. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I don't know why this is so funny. Uh, it's like you said, yeah, we're not in war. You know, we're just here to play dodgeball. Some of us are <laughs> school teachers, you know, and have kids to go up to. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, I think the, I think the, uh, what do you call it the um endorphins are getting to me a little bit much from my workout but um <laughs> let's take a quick break <laughs> sure sorry man uh <laughs> <laughs> no you're doing great steve this is awesome yeah no that's i don't know why it's so funny just i just picture like catching them going hard as you know um this like middle-aged father of like four who's just he has no idea what he's getting himself into and it's just getting completely obliterated it's like dude this guy has to go home to his family he's got a wife and kids chill bro <laughs> like, uh, oh gosh and like his children being like dad how was dodgeball last night did yeah, you get anyone and he's he's got like a black eye he's just like no yeah i'll try next week i'm never coming back <laughs> those kids are mean to me <laughs> we, oh, we have we have like in Seattle, there are a handful of like players who are 50s, 60 year olds. And like, it's cool. It's cool. It's really cool to have them there. Right. And like, for whatever reason, when you're playing across from them, it's easier to take it easy. Right. Cause you see, you should like, be able to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it triggers something inside you where you're like, oh, okay. Like this is my elder, like, you know, whatever. Um, but like, it's not as easy when it's somebody who like looks fit or, you know, like that's true. Looks, looks like an athlete or yeah, someone who might get you out. And, and I think it, we, we, you and I, we chatted yesterday about um, the jock archetype, right? And like that player, it's so hard to go easy on them because, because they're good enough to like make you pay. Right. And so you kind of want to put them in their place, but like that, that person is like a very good test of like how good your community is at being welcoming, right? Like, can can you put up with someone just blasting people who is new and ignorant? And, and like, how do you check in with that person? How do you, like, welcome them, hear their story, et cetera? Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it, is, like, how strong is the community and how tolerant are they? Or maybe not tolerant, but this, you know, what, what will you guys tolerate? And because that will shape, you know, how fast you can get to that player and hopefully convince them to, to chill a little bit and, and, you know, not make them feel, you know, cause the last thing you want to do is like make someone feel bad for being good. Cause they just may not understand, um, coming from a conventional competitive sport that dodgeball is different. It's still, even though it's been around for 20 some odd years, it's still very much in its infancy and we need everyone to play and we need everyone to come back. But, um, you know, I think earlier, um, I might have said, let's take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to keep that in there. So, um, I, I broke, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just feel like there's, there's some stuff in there that we probably just want to keep because we're still on the topic of, you know, 
you know, you providing some, some, um, some pretty solid advice on, on establishing and maintaining a league. And clearly from the matrix, you've got a very long, I mean, we said 40 seasons of experience. Yeah. 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 Of running the league. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty safe to say you're an authority on this and, you know, (laughs) I I do want to go back and, and reoffer your, your, um, your reach out. So if anybody wants to hit you up and, you know, just get some ideas or, you know, find out how to start from scratch or, you know, anything in between. Um, it's really cool of you to, to offer yourself up like that because the more the merrier, right? We need everyone we can get to, to keep, to not play, but keep, keep it going. For sure. Um, man, this is going to be a long episode and I'm totally cool with that because we're, we're barely even getting to some of the questions. Um, haven't even touched the crowdsource ones, but, um, before we, kind of shift gears into more of your individual um, experience, style, whatnot. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to kind of um, spend some time on with which running leagues as a whole? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think like league organizers, I'm, I'm biased because I've been one for so long, but I mean, they are, they're like, the golden goose right like they are these people they are these people who are just investing so much of their time to create dodgeball opportunities for others um like if you haven't thanked your league organizer in your local city do so like just go out of your way send them a message thank them like just those those little like notes are just go such a long way to um making them feel appreciated and and keeps them going right um if you want to go above and beyond like thank them and and also ask like if there's anything you can do to help right like most of most of these dodgeball leagues really rely on volunteers whether it's like team captains or you know people just helping set up stuff um you know doing posts uh, on social media whatever um so yeah, if if you really want to show your league org some love, do that. Um, I wanted to shout out like a couple organizers who have just hosted a lot of dodgeball over the years that I have benefited from. Um, and I wanted to like shout out Mark Acom and Jake Mason, who both um, provided a lot of events and opportunities for me to play um both of them were like you know central figures of dodgeball discourse in in america for for all the years that they were uh, at the center of it and received you know like tons of criticism as well as praise and i definitely just wanted to thank both of them for for all the work that they put in behind the scenes to you know, just create events that people like me could participate in, uh, connect with the dodgeball community, and um, and uh, just keep it going. So I wanted to give them a shout out. Um, I think the other thing I would just, I want to give a shout out to just all the other league organizers and event hosts out there. Like, just thank you for doing what you're doing. Like, a lot of people just roll up to the gym and pick up a ball and throw it. And you all are 
you know, putting in hours of work before and after dodgeball just to make that happen, whether it's renting gyms, um, building schedules, my least favorite thing, building <laughs> schedules. Oh my gosh. Round robin schedules. Ugh. So hard. Um, schedule making, you know, ordering shirts, like, you know, doing social media, reminding people of registration deadlines, just all of it is so much work. But you guys, you're making it happen. So thank you. Um, special, special shout out to all the Dodgeball Seattle League orgs, because there are a ton of you. There's, I think, about 16 to 20 of them right now. Um, and they're they're making it happen for our community. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So that's that's my that's my spiel on leagues. And if anybody wants to talk about leagues, I would love to talk about leagues. So hit me up. It's well said, man. It's um, I think he goes a long way. I remember um, uh, I, I can't remember his name right now. Um, but he's one of the, he was one of the misfits, and this was like uh, I think it was last year. He's like, hey man, thanks for doing the podcast. I listened to every single episode. I was like, dude, you just you just made me want to do this for like another year, just just from that little action alone. So, um, I can't imagine as a league owner when you have people coming up to you asking to help or saying thank you. You know how much how many more seasons that might buy because it's uh, it's it's tiring doing it all. Um, so yeah, I, was... one of one of my prized possessions is a card that. The Dodgewallers here made for me a oh, thank you cool. card at the end of one of the seasons. And and it, it's like in my keepsake box. Like it's just, it just means a lot. Nice. Give me an idea. Um, awesome, man. Um, well, I definitely hope people take you up on your offer. And, um, you know, if, if any league owners or organizers however you guys want to designate yourselves or listening to this hopefully it gives you some encouragement to keep doing what you're doing it's it's super important um like you said a lot of people will just show up play ball leave and they don't think twice about it when um you know these guys are putting in long hours and uh sacrificing a lot so it's definitely something you can't thank them enough for um i don't know if we'll revisit the league um aspect anymore I think there's a couple of questions down the road that may revisit this. So if you're cool with it, um, we kind of go back to the, the questionnaire and just maybe knock out a couple of real fast ones. Um, I mean, starting with, you know, what version of dodgeball is your favorite? So this would be um, not so much the ball, but like, you know, if you look at like the cloth style, the good old 8.5 style, like do you have a, like a favorite type of like, mm -hmm like game setup match setup yeah if that yeah. makes sense that's it i mean it's super hard to answer but i like one game that i've really wanted to do is like an ncda sized court so like a full basketball court with like seven inch foam balls and like a huge neutral zone like hmm. i one like the Loyal Heights pickup game that I played at for years, it was on Monday nights and it was on a full court basketball court and it was set up very much like the NCDA game. And I did not miss a Monday for like years straight. Like I I would drive across town. I would organize carpools. I would do everything I could to be there. Um, 
I loved like that neutral zone. Like it just, it just allowed like a lot of like dynamics. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that would be super, super fun with like a seven inch ball where like blocking is super hard and like the ball, like, like you've got people moving in and out of this neutral zone, like teams aren't able to like control the space as well as they can with like an 8.5 because blocking is so challenging with a seven inch ball. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a game I would love to try, like just combining some of my favorite aspects. Um, I will say that I've been playing seven inch exclusively for the last few years and I do miss catching like i'm not i'm not an effective catcher in seven inch i just don't go for it as much um so i do miss that aspect but you know there are some phenomenal catchers out there so um it can be done but um but yeah that that would be my favorite game would be like a giant court and a fastball and this massive neutral zone neutral zone where it's just like straight up you know close quarters combat going on across the entire court you remind me yeah. of uh, how we used to do open open dodgeball back in Tucson. Like before we even could conceive of doing leagues, we would just do like 20 versus 30, 20 versus 20, 30 versus 30. Like just you show up, you go on this side, you go on that side. There's like 18 balls of various styles from whatever we can get a target to whoever's friend brought, whatever that's, you know, throwable, not going to kill someone. And uh, man, it was just glorious, like Braveheart style combat going on so much fun because you just you were never safe from anything and it was uh it was a blast kind of hearing you describe ncda um style court with uh seven inch foam balls i would love to try that because i am yeah. definitely not gonna be able to hang with uh ncda pinchers with 8.5 these days no thank you i will die um if you ever organize something like that let me know because i will i will We'll see about making a trip out there to give it a shot because that sounds like a lot of fun. You know, I've actually like I've never really said that out loud and I've never really thought about it until well, you asked this question. Now. And like I'm very privileged to have the resources to make something like that happen. So <laughs> I feel like I will. I will. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it to life. Well, August 23rd, 814 PM, 2023. The idea was not conceived, but maybe pushed a little bit forward. So I hope you say that, man. That, that sounds like it'd be a blast. Um, I have a question that I, I have really mixed feelings about this one. It's, it's, what is your style of play? Like, do you consider yourself a defensive, offensive catcher, uh, player, a catcher, more mental? Um, some people seem to answer it, but I feel like I'm asking people to kind of like give away, not their secrets, but like, you know. It's hit or miss with this one. So I'll ask it to you and it's up to you if you want to answer it. But, you know, if you look at you now, um, if you want to answer this question, how would you describe your style of play? How would you describe yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like it. I like the question because I, I think it, yeah, I like it. I like the question. Um, how would I describe myself? I, Whew. okay, before I started playing seven inch, I thought of myself as like a really well-rounded player. Like I thought like I was a really good thrower. I was a really good catcher. Like I considered myself kind of like, I don't know, like 
this this might be a bad analogy i don't know like video games that well but like kind of like a luigi like just kind of an all-around um now that i play seven inch mostly i mean i'm a play caller like i i call plays i've been calling plays for my teams for like a decade or more you know like it's hard to remember last time i wasn't calling plays and in fact, that that was like a learning adjustment for me on Team USA. I was just like, oh my God, like I'm bad at listening to plays. Um, so like, I think I'm a strategist, like a play caller strategist. I'm also, I can be really aggressive. Like, like when the person across from me or like the big target on the other team exposes themselves, like I usually go, 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 go. Like I'm a big game hunter. Um, yeah. And I think one of the things that I'm trying to become more of that I think is starting to become part of my game is like elusiveness. Like I'm really working on mobility and like lateral movement and dodging. Um, so I hope, I hope that's coming through in my style of play. I don't know if you remember, um, soon a recap of the Seattle classic in 2018 with, um, I'm not sure if you were on it. I remember, I think um, Britt Daughtry was on there. Alan um, Thomas was on there. And he had said that you have like this nope factor where it doesn't matter what it is, but you would just completely derail the other team's momentum because you would do something you're not supposed to. Like you would dodge three balls and catch the fourth that brings in, you know, somebody that completely changes the momentum. Do you remember that at all? Does that sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. It was um it was actually round 1, 2018, my debut with Fortune and Surge. I think it was Surge who said this and Rise like had this counterplay that does drawn up and we had like a three ball offense. I think I was in the middle. I threw and missed and Surge came running at me and he like it was basically he was like kind of doing a kamikaze where he like would just run into the middle shoot his shot and like draw counter fire and basically dare like the other two corners to throw at him and expose themselves to to uh to the his corners and um so yeah basically he did all that except like i caught his ball and then I chest passed it at Tim Fullerton. So like I got both of them out like in the same play. Yeah, I'm sure um, I love that. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, my corners did get lit up. So Bill Bill Fisher and Mark Sweet all got blasted. But like because of the catch, like we kind of neutralized like the uh, player count. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I honestly, I have no idea how that even happened. But, um, you know. I'll take it. I'll take the nope factor. I, I like it. I, beware, everyone. Don't come at me. You might get noped. You will get noped. <laughs> I remember um, we, I, I couldn't tell you when. It was one of the rounds we were playing against you. I don't even know what team I was on, but we're just like, I think if we get Lou out first, we'll take out the the head of the team. And I want to say we were successful when we finally got you out because the play calling was neutralized, but then it was still a battle. Like It wasn't easy. But I just remember, like, that was the bigger threat than, um, like, 
that that was like the first go-to for us. And I also remember 2019 or no 2018 in Minnesota, I took my eye off you for like the quickest second. I looked like I scanned to the far right. You were on my far left. And next thing I know, big blue ball, like boom, right in my face. I'm like, I took a face shot for the first time in a very long time. Thanks to Lou. I'm like freaking note factor. And then, uh, I was at the, I was, I was, you know, we, we had debuted ball stay. So I was at the booth when we weren't playing and Alan had come up. He's like, did you get in the face? I was like, yeah, my, my, I feel like I had a stroke. And he's like, was it Lou? I'm like, yep, it was Lou. Nope factor. So that, that kind of, I kind of hope that takes off now. I've been, been holding that in for a while, but, uh, <laughs> you definitely have an element about you where I, I just feel like you will, um, you have the, the, the ability to just like counter something and just go against what's supposed to happen. And it's cool to watch when it's not, you know, my team, but, uh, I will throw that out there. So I always saw you as very cerebral type player, but it's not just brain. It's, you know, it's athleticism and ability to, to make something happen. And your highlight reels are, are really kind of cementing that as well. So are, are you, are you playing in this year's nationals? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we were actually really, really interested in the elite eight format. So we qualified. So we're, we're number five in the men's foam uh so we're in the elite eight and we're we're excited nice um, yeah we're really pumped so i'll get to watch this in real time in like a week see if how yes. accurate we are um i don't know if this is gonna be a long one or not but we'll fire it anyway um do you is there anybody that you model your play after either now or at some point in your career where you're like i want to catch like this person i want to command the court like that person etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah um there's a couple local guys in seattle that i looked up to um i think the most talented catcher of all time in seattle was a guy named tom nielsen and he he was just ridiculous like he he actually cameoed for fortune um, in 2018 or 2019 when I was out with a shoulder injury and he like, I think he caught Jim McMaster's like over his head, you know, like <laughs> anyways, like just evidence that like it translated. Right. Um, but this guy, Tom, he just had the fastest hands. He was, he played shortstop. He, I think he played like Juco ball and he had like a scoop throw, but he was definitely more interested in catching. Um, he just had like incredible drop catch. So he was somebody that I would like spar with and we would, we were both trying to get each other out. Like we really, we got along really well. We I, like, there's a lot of kinship in the Seattle pickup scene, um, especially back in the day. And Tom was a couple years younger than me and he he was just amazing so tom nielsen is one um another guy like the best thrower in seattle was a guy named zach gainer and he actually played with me on rainbows like my first year or when i was on rainbows he wore like a bandana he was really like really built he was kind of built like kenny cox like a real thick guy hmm. um and he had power like he 
he was from the Loyal Heights game, like the full court dodgeball, and he could throw like a 70-foot ball on a rope that would just come in with so much power. And he was also really sneaky, too. It was kind of this really cool combination of like deception and power. Like he wasn't like in your face, like dominating you with pressure and possession. He was just like you always had to have your eyes peeled because if you took your focus away from Zach, he was going to snipe you. And so, you know, imagine Zach just like hiding in a court of like 20 on 20, right? Like you're playing a game, but there's always this little paranoid sense in the back of your mind that Zach is watching. You never say. So, <laughs> so Zach, Zach Gaynor is another one of my, my heroes. Um, I definitely like learned about sniping and the, the play you described, right? earlier the face shop it was like a zach play right like he's just always watching like a hawk and just letting it rip when you're not watching and then i think the last my last role model was um my good friend peter rothbart who was another loyal heights guy and zach and peter and i teamed up to form like one of the top seattle teams uh, night people and not safe for work and peter Peter was like a very strategic kind of like intentional player. He didn't, he didn't like waste any throws. He, he had great precision. He would throw foot shots. Peter played like semi-pro football in the Netherlands and was a quarterback. And so he had like a great arm and great accuracy. And between the three of those guys, you know, I just drew so much inspiration nice. and, and uh had so much talent and skill to play against that it really like shaped me into the player that i became that's cool and juco that junior college ball is that what you meant yeah or, yeah okay. i was like thinking what what sport is this i had to, I had to google it real quick uh, but it makes sense now um that's cool um random question um you get hit by a ball from Zach Gaynor. Um, what does it feel like? Because he said he's, a, he's like a power thrower. I mean, yeah. It... I mean, it was always a surprise, right? You, like you almost never saw it coming. Like it was usually like a reminder. Like as soon as you got hit, your shoulders slump, your head drops. You're just like, oh. I f***ed up. <laughs> like, you know, you're just like, Oh, I took my I can't believe it. I took my eye off of them. And like you just kind of retroactively, you're just like, man, I, I messed up. I messed up. Um, but he he had a lot of power too. Like if he hit you like, you know, square, um, you were gonna you were gonna feel it. Um I'm trying to think. He we played on a team together against like uh Justin Pyan and Nate Kreider when they came up they came up for a classic one year and Zach Zach was with us so he he was good he his game unfortunately like didn't translate well to like elite just because the court was so small and like you had to be really really comfortable like being out in the open and like like pressuring all the time if you had a ball like there wasn't really room for like somebody hiding and sniping um 
but yeah yeah usually when zach hit you you were just like man i i blew it i know better i should know better i i should also say like tom tom nielsen the the phenomenal catcher like he he would just make you feel silly like there i could not put a ball on tom's body that he couldn't catch like with 8.5 like i could throw my best throw possible at his foot and he could scoop it like he he just had you know you've seen these people like isidro or Derek johnson like these people who just have better hand-eye coordination than everyone else like they just see things in slow motion like tom was one of these people like you couldn't you couldn't get him out with a solo throw um and so like i i started throwing it like outside of his left foot just hoping that he would spread his feet to like get down into like that baseball fielding stance and just hope that he would happen to like move into where the ball was already going um but he would just make you feel silly and like regret everything and I, i'm sure there's people in seattle who've never gotten tom out like there's who've played for years it's funny because i isidro was the person i was thinking about where you're just like there's like a 95 percent chance no matter what i do i'm gonna get caught by this guy it's such a sinking feeling sometimes you're like oh, crap just it's so crap. discouraging right like yeah. you're just you're like i'm not even gonna throw anymore right like you just you take that off the table it, i guess you could call that a different kind of nope factor right like you're just like well i can't i can't get them out on that anymore so we'll have to try something else yeah yeah i uh the reason why i asked about because something about the way you're describing the way zach threw reminded me of this uh one guy he, he i don't think he with the exception of one ndl in 2005 he never made it past any of evil or tucson games but his name is seth la mancha and his windup was so slow, but my God, if like to this day, and this is not a challenge by any means, but he is the one person that I've never been hit harder. Um, there's something about his throw where I would get hit and I felt like my soul like felt it. Like I, it would just leave its body and catching, getting clipped was always just terrifying. And I was younger back then, so I had no problem squaring up against him, but Every time I see the ball come, like this is gonna hurt so freaking bad, and it just the whole body just hurts after that. And like, I have yet to experience that from somebody. So I was wondering if, if Zach was somewhat similar, because uh, some people, man, they just there's something about their throw or their windup or the velocity where it's just it hits harder than it should. If it makes any sense. Mm. I I had a conversation the other night with a couple of dodgeballers about like the the concept of like throwing power and one of the things that I threw out there is that like maybe power is different from speed right like and so my theory was that like power the way that I was kind of thinking about dodgeball like throwing power is like a ball that comes harder than it looks right like somebody yep. who's throwing their their arm speed looks like a seven and the ball's coming at a nine right versus somebody who's like you can see it coming as a nine and it gets to you as a nine right like those are two different kinds of throws and like i would argue that the person with the seven like motion ha has more power um 
anyways, I was thinking about that, about your guy, your man, Seth, right? He's had that super slow windup, but then the ball just... There was just a straight beam of pain. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like you said, it's... Um... I think there's there's a really good difference between <clears throat> excuse me power or force versus speed, and uh, obviously some people have both. But um, yeah, this speeder describing Zach reminded me of him. Alrighty, so uh, due to some scheduling conflicts, um, we're gonna have to actually break this episode into two halves, at least two halves. Uh, there's just so much more that I want to dive in with with Lucas, and um, I definitely don't want to rush it. And this is as I've said before what I live for when it comes to podcasting and, and just going wherever we can in terms of conversation, dodgeball history, um, and with someone with as much of a history as Lucas, it's been, it's been a joy for me to just be able to just participate in this. Um, I think we've got a couple more of the preliminary questions left and we're going to go into the crowdsource questions, which I know is probably going to spawn another hour easily. So if you're not sick of us yet, uh, tune in uh, roughly next week for part two and, um, you know, Tomorrow is going to be August 25th, so I guess today, if you're listening to this, there's still time to get some questions in. If anything in the previous episode um, inspired some, feel free to drop them in the thread, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. So have a great uh, rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, no, there, there's like a three-second delay. You know what? Um, I wonder if it's because my wife is playing D&D on Discord. <laughs> oh. You're going to have to kick her off, unfortunately. This is more important. Let me, <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me see if I can go closer to the router, if that helps. Okay. Give me one minute. Audacity, D and D. She's just more jealous than anything. <laughs> That's really cool. Oh man. Uh